Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I'm going to go to Psalm 18. So what I'm going to give you tonight is I'm going to give you four things, four things you and I must do to to be able to follow the leading of our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we follow now this leading of our shepherd? I know we've talked about multiple aspects of it, but now I'm going to give it to you in a simple uh, one-time teaching of a four-step or four-part, I should say, four-part understanding of how we live this out, what we've been talking about now for multiple weeks about how how to be able to prepare ourselves, be sensitive to the Spirit within us, our Spirit, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, know how God wants to direct us, guide us, how He doesn't direct and guide us and lead us, and how He said He would. In Psalm 18, we get further insight here in these verses about God's leading for our life as a believer, for me and you in the New Testament. Notice this, Psalm 18, 28, because this will refer to what we've been talking about in the New Testament of his leading. He says here, clearly you are, uh, excuse me, for you will, excuse me, do what? Light my lamp. What will you do? Light my lamp. What is our spirit? Our spirit is a lamp to the Lord. Notice he said, you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my what? Darkness. So I want you to keep this thought as we go throughout this uh, teaching tonight about the difference between light and darkness. If we're walking in light, God's leading. For walking in darkness, he's not. So we got to understand the significance of how to walk that out. Notice verse 29. He said, for by you, talking about God, us by God, for by you, I can run against what? A troop. Notice this. By my God, I can do what? So if we're walking in light, as you're about to see, and God is directing our steps, not only can we come against a troop, meaning an enemy or an enemy attack, we can walk right through it, overcome it, but we can also do what? Leap over obstacles. There's nothing to keep us from walking out what God wants us to do if we're following God's leading. Notice he reveals this. He goes on in verse 30. As for God, his way is what? His way is perfect. So what do we want? God's way. We want to know what it is that he's directing us to do day in and day out. The word of the Lord is also what? So here we see the two sides of what we've been talking about. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. So his way comes to us both by the word as well as the leading of the Holy Spirit. And his word is absolutely proven to be effective and to be the right way to live. He is a shield to all who do what? Trust in him. 31, for who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. If you want your way to be perfect, you need to follow God. It's God that makes your way perfect. Now, a lot of people would read that and say, see, as I go through this life, God's just going to make my way perfect. No, if you follow him, he'll make your way perfect. If you follow his way, which is perfect, You're going to walk in the perfect path for your life. Amen? Amen. Say, God is my light. He will will help me me to walk in the perfect way. Which is what? God's way. 
Now, he'll do this by doing what? Again, verse 28, you will light my lamp. Or in other words, you could say it this way, because you will illuminate for me the way I'm to go, you'll light my path. You'll give me guidance. You'll give me direction on how, to, how I'm supposed to live my life. So God wants to do that for us. Psalm 119, we've seen a lot of verses about that. But I wanted you to see that no matter what troop in the sense of enemy comes against you, can't stop you, what obstacle comes up against you, can't stop you, he can help you run against a troop and leap over walls, praise God. Psalm 119. So, number one, write these down. Point number one, and I'm going to encourage you to even write the verse down with it. Psalm, write this down. Psalm 119, 105. This will be a very familiar verse, I know. Psalm 119, 105. 119, 105. This is point number one. Say, this is where you start. And by the way, it's not where you start and end. It's where you start and keep doing what you need to be doing in relationship to the word in your life. Notice this. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Did we not just read that he will light our lamp? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lamp and light. Say lamp and light. So lamp meaning the fact that for your feet, every step you take, God wants to help you. He's so detailed. He's not just trying to show you of what he wants in context to your future. He wants to help you every day in these daily little decisions you make. The reference to a lamp to the feet is the next step you take. But he'll also do what? Light my path. Meaning what? He'll show you the very aspect of what he wants to see you do in the future. Now, the reason I bring that up is because the other part of God's leading we haven't talked a lot about, we'll talk more about tonight, is God oftentimes will show you, look at that building. God oftentimes will show you things to come. That don't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. That don't mean it may happen next year of things he may show you. I've known ministers, I know stuff that pastor had, you know, God, God showed him years before it ever came to pass. A pastor never forgot it. He had literally showed him that I am lighting your path. This is your future. This is what you're going to walk into. One thing that we got to be careful about this, and we'll talk about it in one of, our key, one of our key points. When we know that God, obviously, next step, easy to know. What's the next step I'm to take? Well, that's easy. I take that next step. But when he starts showing us things down the road, things of a future aspect of what we're to walk out, we got to be careful that we don't become like Abraham and wind up with an Ishmael. We want an Isaac, not an Ishmael. And so when God illuminated this promise to Abraham that didn't happen for 10 years, as you're going to see in one of our next points, guess what Abraham did? He got antsy. And then he tried to make it come to pass. So you got to realize God will not only light my uh, very, excuse me, he will not only give me a lamp for my feet, the very next steps I'm to take, he'll enlighten me for what's to come. This is how God leads. He doesn't just show you for what you need today. He'll start showing you for what he has for your future. He started showing me that building uh, years ago. I can't even tell you how many years ago when I first found out about that facility, that those plans in that building uh, as directed by God as I was asking questions to different people and uh, got those plans. So realize he is the one who will do what? He will through his word, say his word. Watch this, Psalm 105, your word is what? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Write this down. Number one, according to that scripture, I want you to write this down. Live in the light of God's word. Live in the light of God's word. If you want to walk out and follow out what God has for you, how does he lead us? The word and the witness. The word and the witness. You need to live in the light of God's word. Now that's a mouthful because honestly there's a lot to cover under that topic. 
which all these topics, we've already pretty much been covering different aspects of them throughout this series. If you missed any, you should go back and get them. So what that means is you and I, to be able to live in the light of God's Word, certainly have to do what? Live in the Word of God. And realize that what I'm talking about is not just, quote, unquote, reading the Bible just to say you're doing it, but to fellowship with God. Who's the one that's actually taking the word to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? God is. How's he going to make that revelation to you? Holy Spirit. So when you read the word, read it in fellowship with God like he's talking to you and you're listening to him. But you've got to live in the light of God's word, number one, if you're ever going to get accurate in being, fo- in being able to follow the inner leading of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people can take a lot of time. Uh, Brother Hagen talked about this. A lot of people can take a lot of time even. I mean, no, praying the Spirit's good. Yeah. But you could pray in the Spirit for hours and spend little time in the word and think God's leading you. In truth, you're going to wind up in error because God's going to always lead you in light of the word. And Brother Hagin said that he literally learned from the Lord. He said, oftentimes, Kenneth, you are trying to teach people and or do yourself with prayer what will only happen through my word. You you can't take one and and throw the other one out. You can't get these out of balance. So even praying in the Holy Spirit's good, but you know what? You need as much time in the word. And the way he showed it to him was like this. He said, for example, if you think about what literally even Jesus told us relating to the word of God, he said that literally the word is literal spirit food to your spirit man, the same as bread is food to your body. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if I want to keep my spirit strong to follow the leading of God and know I'm not getting out of line with the word, I got to keep feeding on the word. So he said, for example, Kenneth, he said, if you look at prayer, in essence, kind of like breathing, and if you look at the word like eating, he said, guess what? Physically, just to use an example, he said, you got to do both or you're not going to make it. Right. You stop breathing, it don't matter what you want to eat. Right. Right? right? But if you're just eating and not breathing, it don't matter. Again, it still doesn't matter what you eat. You got to have both. Right. You got to breathe and eat. You need them both. And he said, a lot of times Christians try to relinquish to prayer what only the word will do. They try to actually just simply pray a prayer to God, no time in the Word, no time to truly uh, understand and walk in the light of what God's trying to say to them, and they miss out on much of what God's trying to lead them to do. You don't realize how many answers of your life, day in and day out, and I'm not talking about stuff that you think is just black and white in Scripture. I'm talking about even decisions sometimes that you may not not even realize, even though it doesn't say go do this or do that, is going to get an answer to you. He's going to get an answer to you just by reading the Word. Something's going to come alive to you and you're going to go, that's my answer. There it is. So God's trying to lead you through the word of God as much as he's trying to lead you through the inward witness. If you relinquish the word, you're on a dangerous ground to be misled if you're thinking you're following the Holy Spirit. So I've known people that have spent hours in prayer in the Holy Spirit and not as much time in the word. And I guarantee you what that tends to lead to is thinking they're hearing stuff that ain't God because stuff they're hearing or stuff that they're believing God's showing them, it doesn't line up with the Bible. So we got to live in the light of God's word. So to live in the light of God's word, his word is a lamp to our feet, light to our path. Live in the light, live in the light of that word. Whatever that word reveals to you, that's what you want to adhere to. That's what you want to walk out. Think of the basics of Christianity. If you and I don't just even do the basics of what we should do as a New Testament Christian, what's some basics of a New Testament Christian you've learned in the Bible? Help me out. Go to church. What else? Tithing. What else? Leadership, what else? Forgive, Forgive. what else? 
Walk in love. Absolutely. What else? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. What else? Living in the word. Living in the word. Serve. What else? Serve. Huh? Serve. What else? Excuse me? Praise. What else? See, these are all in the Bible. They're basics of what we should be living out as a Christian on a daily basis. But if we're not living those things out and we're believing God for instruction, guess what we're not doing? We're not walking in the basic lifestyle he set up to begin with for us to start learning how to walk down his pathway. And if we don't consistently walk out what the Bible's teaching us, this isn't so we can try to change our life from us perspective of, okay, so if I go to the Bible, find out what it says I do it, it'll change my life. Well, it'll change your life, but it'll change your life because you're learning to walk out who you really are. We don't go to the Word in relationship to what Scripture says to try to just figure out what to do from an outward perspective. We go to the Word to find out what the Bible says as it relates to who we are on the inside. We got to look to the Bible to be able to see through it to live out what God wants us to do with this new person. And that's why we got to live in the light of the Word of God. So if I'm not in the Word consistently, guess what I'm going to lack? I'm going to lack this this, uh, lamp to my feet and this light to my path. I mean, you want a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Guess what? It's going to come through the word. My word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So number one, say it. I got to live in the light of God's word. Go to John 14. That's where you start and you never stop. You never stop. You should be able to understand significantly, obviously, as a New Testament believer, to your life living in the scriptures is absolutely one of the most beneficial things as to how God will lead you. Anybody ever, like been in the Bible, just spending time with God, fellowshipping with God, not even really talking to God and saying, I need an answer for this. You're just reading the Bible, and all of a sudden up comes something out of the Scripture. You go, whoa, wait, wait, there's my answer right there that I've been looking for. See, it's not about going to God saying, I need this answer, so I'm going to read the Bible today. Uh, Be careful with, uh, I'm not saying you couldn't, still learn something from the scriptures as God speaking. But, you know, some people think, well, I need an answer from God. I'm just going to drop my Bible down and where it opens, I'm going to read, you know, and see if that is where God wants me to learn from something. Reality is, you should be living in the Bible, not just waiting for a problem, dropping your Bible on the floor, seeing where it pops open to, and trying to see if God will speak to me. If you stay in that word, you're going to have God speaking to you regularly. You're going to know his voice. You're going to know his guidance for you. The other thing about why you got to live in the light of God's word, guess what God doesn't do? He never goes contrary to his character. Never goes contrary to his nature. He doesn't change. So this also helps you understand what is God and what is not God. In this series, we actually already talked about it because the only way to separate what's the soul, the old you, and the spirit, the new you, is the word. The word is the two-edged sword. Right? That divides and separates soul from spirit. So we got to live out in relationship to what Scripture teaches. Live out Scripture as it relates to the light of God's Word. Illuminating our path. John 14, and you want to write these verses down if you're taking notes, 25 through 27. John 14, 25, 27. We're going to find the second thing. So the first thing is, get in the Word, fellowship with God, live in the light of that Word. Live in the light of what it reveals to you you should do. If we can't get consistent with the basics of what Scripture teaches of this new life we have, we're going to struggle being able to walk in the light of true big decisions in our life hearing God. John 14, how many of you know if you're faithful little, he'll make you ruler of much? 
John 14, 25, we've looked at these verses already, but we're going to now relate them to this four-step, four-part aspect of what we do to follow God's leading. Verse 25, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, why? Because he's about to leave them. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? Teach you all things. Now, it's interesting if you look up the word teach, you know the definition there? You know what the definition is? To direct. To direct. He will what? He will direct you in all things. And he will bring, he will bring to your remembrance all things that I have what? Said to you. So clearly you and I know by living in the Bible also who's going to help quicken our heart and bring things to our remembrance even at times when we need it uh, down the road because we've already read it. The Holy Spirit will. Again, he will teach or the Greek word there is he will direct you in all things and bring to your remembrance, Jesus said, all things that I said to you. Next statement, verse 27, peace I leave with you. So this is still referring to this helper. I know I've taught you this before, but even if you heard it, you need to be reminded of it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice, it's not as the world gives, not like what the world gives. It's not the same type of peace that I give to you. Let not your heart, your heart, your what? Your heart, your what? Your heart, your spirit. Let it not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Brother Hagin taught this. Uh, to all of the students of Rhema that ever came to Rhema under uh, his teaching, he taught all of his students this. He said, this is another key. Once you live in the light of the word of God, another key to walking out God's leading for your life is you and I have to learn how to follow this inward witness God's given us. How do we follow this inward witness God's given us? Jesus just told you, I'm giving you a helper. You will notice that this helper will do what? Direct you in all things. How's he going to do it? Peace. Not like the world gives. It's not an external. Again, because he doesn't direct us to external things. It's not an external peace. It's an internal peace. There's a peace that I place within you. That's the Holy Spirit. And if you will learn to follow that peace, you'll be on the right track. Don't let your heart be troubled nor afraid. Because if it gets troubled or afraid, as I'm about to describe to you, guess what that's revealing? Wrong way. What's the way you want to go? Peace. Remember what Romans 8 said? If you are spiritually minded, what does it bring? Life and peace. So one of the ways you know you're on the right track, the guidance system, the leading of the Holy Spirit is an inward peace. Now this is why, again, we've got to develop ourselves spiritually to know the difference between what's my soul, what's my spirit. Is that just my, my soul that I kind of sense a peace in, that I think I have a peace in? Or is this really my spirit giving me peace within? So here's how he would describe it to him. He said, here's how you got to learn to follow the inward witness. Do not sit back and wait for God to say something to you to make all the decisions of your life. You'll be waiting a long time. That's not how they did it in the New Testament. We've already seen this example. So when they, when, uh, you know, Peter and them shoved off to start going to preach the gospel. No, I'm sorry. When, when Paul and them went back to where they were going to go preach the gospel, remember what he did? He said, let's go to uh, uh, Athens, right. right? So it wasn't like they waited. He didn't sit and wait till they had a word from God as to where they were going. They had a word from God. Right. 
What was the word from God? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Okay, but where do you want me to go? How are you going to find out? Here's how God leads. Here's how God leads us. So what did he do? I already know I'm supposed to go preach the gospel. How I many you know tomorrow when you get up, you're supposed to go and move forward with your life and do things you need to do? So I already know I'm supposed to preach the gospel. But here's the key. As I'm heading in the direction that I think I'm supposed to go to do that, what am I looking for? Here's the key. In everything you do in life, day in and day out, you need to stop looking outwardly. You need to look inwardly. You need to look to this inward witness. As you take a step in a direction towards anything you're going to do in your day in relationship to decisions you're making, you need to stop and check your spirit and say, do I have a peace? Do I have a peace? Because as they started going to Athens, guess what they didn't have? They didn't have a peace. The Holy Spirit forbid them. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit spoke in the New Testament, it specifically told us. And the Holy Spirit said. Here he didn't tell them in words or say anything to them. He just said, the Bible just said that he literally did what? He constrained them from going. How did he do that? What's the latter part of that verse say? Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. This is the opposite of peace. Right. So trouble is an agitation. Peace is a calm. Right. You listening? To not be afraid there. Let not your heart be troubled, agitated, nor let it be what? Afraid. So this is what Brother Hagin would teach. If you talk about being afraid, it's talking about timid. Timid. We certainly talked about it this morning. We don't make decisions based on fear. But I'll guarantee you, I know this example because I grew up in Montana in a cold, in a cold uh, area of the nation where as a kid, man, we couldn't wait for the first freeze to come because when the first freeze came, ice skates come out, man. I mean, you would go find a pond that was frozen over somewhere and you get to ice skating. But you know what you didn't do? You didn't throw your skates on the first time you went out there and just went out skating onto the pond. You actually, first of all, our parents taught us, you get your, your foot out there on the edge of that, of that actual frozen pond, you push on it and you walk a little further. And if you start feeling that move at all, right. guess what you're going to feel? That's the word for timid. Right. That's the word for timid. You're going to feel not scared. You know what you're going to feel? Uneasy. It is not going to feel right. You know what you need to do? Back off. <laughs> that, that ice ain't hard enough to get out there on. Because if you keep going, guess what you're going to wind up doing? Going the wrong direction. And you're probably going to break through the ice and you're going to wind up in the cold water. You listening? So this takes practice because you know what we want to do? We want to run the direction that we're going. And God's saying again, my word even is going to be what? It's going to be a lamp to your next step. Yes, it will help illuminate what's coming, but you're supposed to take one step at a time to get there. So how do I follow this inward witness? I'll give you number two so I can just define this for you better. Number two, second thing you need to do, check the witness inside. All the time, check the witness inside. Before you make a decision to go to eat somewhere, check the witness inside. Before you jump in your car and just take off for work like you normally do, check the witness inside. Do I need to go a different direction today? You listening? Yes. You might think it's silly, but I'm going to tell you what. You could have people where you work all of a sudden showing up late and you're there on time and they're wondering, how did you get here? We ran into this wreck down here on the highway. I know you come that same way. Holy Spirit led me a different way. Had a check in my spirit about going that way. If you got that good about driving where you go every day, imagine how easy God could lead you. 
in your daily life. And if you don't think God doesn't want to lead you around stuff like that, what, he wants you to go sit in traffic? Do you think he, not, doesn't, you think he does not know that the wreck's there? Sure he knows. You know what we're relying on? We'll get our phones out, GPS. Check the inward witness. In our decisions in life, if you want to be, anybody want to be led by God? Check the inward witness. I love this story. Keith Moore talks about a truck that he was going to buy. And he said, I've been wanting one of these trucks for years, man. I've been uh, planning on getting one. And I finally decided I need one. I'm going to get one. I got stuff I need to haul and things I need to do with the ministry and even my own life and stuff. Need a truck. Don't have a truck. I got to borrow one all the time. I researched them for quite a few years. So I finally decided to buy one. So he goes down the dealership, finds the one that he's looking for in the natural, in the sense like the color, likes it, all that uh, type of model he wants and everything. And he says, okay, uh, good, you know, works to deal with them. Go do the paperwork. Come back. We'll sign the paperwork. Well, guess what you should be doing while you're sitting there waiting for them to come back with the paperwork? I mean, he already was, but I'm just saying, what's a good thing to do in the midst of the time that you're just sitting there doing nothing else? Recheck your spirit. So he just kind of gets quiet and he said, I'm just going to listen to my spirit, make sure this is right. And while he's sitting there, he gets this little inward witness, not not a voice, just an inward witness that comes up to his, to his uh, soul, to his, his mind, his reasoning. Go look back at that truck again in this certain area. Lord, I already looked at that. So he just kind of pushed it off. Lord, then it comes back. Go, go again. What's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt? So he thought, you know, I've learned enough to know to follow this inward witness. But what if he'd been sitting there and he'd been talking about other stuff, doing other things? He wouldn't have known. He would have known that inward witness was nudging him. Check the inward witness. So guess what? He goes and he picks up uh, like underneath the back seat in the truck some carpet, goes back, looks back under, looking around. And lo and behold, guess what he sees that he didn't see before? All of the places where the, where the bolts were that were tying this to the other part of the truck, guess what they were sitting in? Pools of rust. He starts looking at other parts of the truck. And there's rust in different parts. And this is a brand new truck. He was about to sign paperwork to drive this thing off the lot. And so he calls the salesman over. He said, uh, come look at this. So he goes and shows it to them. They're like, whoa, <laughs> we didn't know that was there. He said, obviously. He said, I don't want that truck. <laughs> I want a different truck. And so he found another one. And he actually then wound up buying a different truck. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can think that's silly. But you can walk up to a dealership, think it's a brand new truck. No big deal. I'm just going to buy it. You listening? I, the truck I got before this one, the, one of the first uh, uh, trucks I got to help pull the traders with, the truck I got before this one was actually over. I, I'd searched and looked, and the Kathy can tell you, man, I, I'm a researcher on buying vehicles, man, and I look at different, you know, tr- different aspects of different vehicles, wherever. And I found this one, and it was clear over in Rockwall. Clear over in Rockwall, Rockwall Ford. So I drive all the way over there to check it out and try to see about a deal and all that stuff. And I, I, so everything seemed out, checked out pretty good. I said, uh, let's go drive the truck. I'm not going, there ain't no way I'm going to buy a vehicle without driving it, you know. Let's go drive, even though it's brand new, let's go drive the truck. Okay, gets the, gets the key fob, we jump in. We start driving. As we're driving it, something's bothering me. And I'm like, man, this just don't feel right. And then all of a sudden, I kind of know, I know, I notice a little vibration in the front, you know. And you could easily say, well, just an alignment issue, whatever. And the more I drove it, man, I'm just, my spirit's going, this ain't right. 
This ain't right. And I told the guy, I said, uh, could this be an alignment issue? He said, it shouldn't be. I said, something ain't right with this truck. I, I, I know it's the one that I wanted as far as everything that's on it. It's the only one you got, but uh, I don't want it. Right. Really? You don't want it? We could check it out. We could, no, nope, check it out all you want. I don't want it. And I just knew in my spirit, guess what I had? Agitation. Right. There was no peace. Right. No peace. But you know what happened? I happened to get back to the lot, and I looked a little ways down. I said, what about that truck down there? Oh, I forgot about that one. It was one that I wanted even better than this one. And it had nothing wrong with it. You listening? So understand, when you make decisions in life, what should you do before you make those decisions? I'll read it again. Number two, check the witness inside. Check the witness inside. Check the inward witness. So as you check the inward witness, what am I looking for? Am I looking for a word from God? No. Romans 8 says clearly the Holy Spirit bears witness, 816, with our spirit. What does he do? He bears witness. Witness. How does he bear witness? Jesus just told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So you got to stop and, you know, we do this even in a relationship. Like Kathy had this oral surgery done. And she actually had gone and talked to initial, I think another doctor first, right? She'd gone to another doctor. And, well, I, I, you know, we've talked about this and everything we do. Uh, I, I, I told her, I said, wonderful that they could do the surgery. But have you checked your, have you checked your inner Have you prayed about it and asked God, is this where you're supposed to go? She said, I'm just not sure if this is where I'm supposed to go. And so she went and met with this other doctor. Now, this other doctor was more expensive. So you're going, to base on, you're going to base what you do on whether it's more expensive or less expensive? No. Check the inward witness. What am I looking for? Peace. So how do you check the inward witness in that case? You go meet with them. You go talk to them. While you're there, what are you doing? You're not just checking out stuff in the natural. What are you doing? I'm checking the inward Witness, the greatest time that you're going to have an opportunity to hear the inward witness in a situation like that is not when you get home to think about it later, when you're right there talking to them, right right in the midst of talking to them. It'd be like going for a job interview. Do I know for sure this is where I'm supposed to work? I'm going to tell you how you're going to find out if that's where you're supposed to work or not. Check the inward witness. Because if you don't even have a witness to go interview for the job or go check it out, then that should, that should be an automatic that if I don't have that piece, if I got an agitation about that to begin with. Now, see, you got to be careful because you could look at this and that. You'll say, I didn't really want that job anyway. But are you talking about your soul feeling agitated or your spirit? Because how many you know what you look in the natural? God knows far beyond what you know. And it could, be, it could wind up to be the best thing you could have ever done. Check the inward Witness, always, because God knows where you need to be. Amen. He's got a plan. But what if you don't check the inward witness? Now listen, he's not going to, quote, unquote, just throw something out in front of you, in most cases, like a donkey to talk to you and say, don't go this way. Right. He gave you the Holy Spirit living in you to lead you, to guide you, and that's how he's going to do it. Amen. Thus saith the New Testament. Yes. So I got to do what? I got to check the inward witness. I got to check the witness inside. I've got to look for that peace. If I'm not sure if I'm to do this or not, what do I do? You don't jump in whole hog. Take one step. Find a way to take a step. Now, maybe it might involve making a decision in life that you may have to do something of which you've got no way to go forward into. What do you do? You take time to quiet your mind, think about what you're about to do, and as you're thinking the process through of what you're about to do, guess what you're listening to? Inward witness. 
As I'm thinking about this in my mind, do I have a peace? Or do I have an agitation or a timidity that I'm not supposed to go this way? You listening? I'll guarantee you, if you think back and it's kind of hard maybe for some of us to do, there were so many times in life that we wound up making a wrong choice, a wrong decision, and if we'd have paid attention, our spirit was agitated and not wanting us to go that way. You listening? I've already told you that was several decisions I made. One with a car, and I overrode that. I mean, I had such a net. When I started driving that car, this was years ago, when I started driving that car for the second time, when I went back over to actually trade my vehicle for a truck and get it, as I'm driving that car down the road, guess what? I don't feel a peace in my spirit. I feel a disruption. But you know what I did? I just pushed past it anyway. Pushed right past it. I'll, Keith Moore, another Keith Moore story, because you're probably bored with mine. Keith Moore had a Corvette that he wanted to buy. He'd been believing one for a long time. He actually was wanting to get a nicer one, had one that he'd had, had some money to buy one, and he saw one. He'd been researching, found one somewhere. They had to drive quite a ways from where they were to actually go check it out. They get there. They bring, the, they bring it out. As they bring it out, they're looking at it. They get, he said, man, outside, interior, everything, immaculate. Beautiful, beautiful car. I said, boy, this got to be it. Got to be it. So they get in it, and they're test driving it. As they're test driving it, guess what his wife says? Don't feel good about it, Keith. Right. He said, you know what? I didn't either, but I want to say nothing. <laughs> I wanted the car. Come on, don't tell me you're not that way. I wanted the car. I wanted this thing. Man, I've been wanting one for a long time. The right color, right teacher, all this kind of stuff. I wanted the car. And, and in my spirit, I knew she's right. She's right. But I could either override my spirit right now and just say, no big deal. I'm going to get the car anyway. Or I could be honest enough to say, okay, you're right. And he said, by the time we got back to the dealership, I said, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I don't have a piece about it. I don't. So he pulls back in the lot. It's a, it's a collector car lot. And the guy comes out and he says, what do you think? He said, you know what? He said, there's something wrong with that car. Now, he didn't know that there was something wrong in the sense that, you know, in the, he just, he's talking about himself, something wrong, like, I don't, I don't feel, he not saying, hey, I don't feel right about it. He said, no, nah, something wrong about that car. And the guy said, excuse me? He said, there's something wrong about that car. Uh, he said, can you wait here for just a minute? And he said, sure. So he goes off, goes talking to some other guy. He comes back and he said, uh, Mr. Moore, we need to apologize to you. How did you know there was something wrong with this car? He said, are you saying there's something wrong with it? Yeah. We tried to pawn it off on you. Oh my. How did you know? He said, the Holy Spirit. Right. Holy Spirit told me there was something wrong. Amen. He said, we need to uh, uh, profoundly apologize to you for even thinking we, could, we should have tried to do that, let alone to anybody, but as well as a person like yourself. Uh, he said, I apologize. Well, in the process of him going and talking to somebody else, he found another Corvette on the lot. And he wound up buying it. Turned out to be a good car. Amen. You listening? Yes. I said, you listening? Yes. Check the N-word witness. witness. And if you'll start learning to do this in little decisions you make, guess what it'll do? It'll help you when the big decisions come along. Yes. You listening? Yes. It's so easy. We were in such a, in, in a tight situation needing a facility as a church when we actually wound up, you know, having the facility we're in Roanoke getting sold. And I mean, when your rent hasn't gone up in 22 years, any idea what that cost is going to be like now? Right. You know how desperately I was trying to find a facility? 
my gosh, I'm driving all over everywhere I can to try to find us something within, you know, a decent distance of where we're at. And long story short, I almost, I did. I signed a contract for a, a place up here, a building up in Denton. And boy, I knew it. I knew it. When I signed my name to that contract, I forced myself to sign it. But I thought, we have no choice, Lord. You're going to make this work because we got no choice. We got nowhere else to go. And I signed that contract and I handed it over to the, rep, the, the real estate guy that represented the owner. And man, when I got home, I told Kathy, I said, I just goofed up, man. I just made the dumbest decision. I overrode everything in me knowing God did not want me to sign that contract. And as I'm signing my name, it even got worse. And I signed it anyway and had the contract. I got to believe God somehow this thing doesn't go through. I called him up the next morning. Actually, he called me, the realtor called me the next morning and said, uh, he has made a revision to the contract. I said, explain. He tore up the previous contract. He's made a revision to the contract. Thank you. See you later. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> you don't want it? Uh-uh. I don't want it, man. I don't want it. Why? God didn't want us there. That's right. So then I was like, okay, God, we got to have a place, right? Well, what was I doing the whole time trying to find a place? I had not taken time to ask God, where do you want us? I was trying to find something. Guess what I did then? Okay, God, I've looked everywhere. Where do you want us? And that's when God spoke to my heart about going back into a hotel, the Marriott, right across from the racetrack. Our pastor, without even knowing all that, he gave us a word of prophecy while we were there. He said, this was a God move. It's just a great temporary depot for you where you're at right now. You know why? God knew where we were. We couldn't get the facility size we needed. For the amount of money of what we had to pay. Wasn't available. So you can sit here. Some people do this, man. They think, well, God knows what I got to have. He'll provide a way to have it. Listen, that's like saying, I'm going to go buy a home. The housing market for the house that I need, let's say, is, you know, $350,000. But I only got $150,000. So God surely is going to find me a $150,000 home that's actually worth $350,000. That's crazy. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but I'm just telling you, that's not obviously what you do in trying to follow out the leading of God because you're asking God to do something in the sense that in essence may not even be possible because if nobody has that kind of home for sale for that price, how's he going to manufacture one? Right. You know what you got to do? You got to back up and say, I got to believe for more money. Amen. Hello? Yes. Right? Yes. Or, or wait for a miracle to come along. Because the truth is, you can't sit there and just look at something like that and say somehow God's just going to make it happen. He could, but I'm just telling you, in most cases, that's probably not going to happen. First and foremost, most people don't want to sell a home that's worth $350,000 for $150,000. Do you want to sell your home? If, your was worth, is your, if yours was worth $350,000, do you want to sell it for $150,000? Why do you want somebody else to do that? So realize that you can't just look at things in the natural too and think somehow God's going to make a way for that. You might have to back up and say, like I did. I'm, I'm trying to explain like the situation with the building. You might have to back up and say, okay, maybe it's not time for us to buy a home right now. God, maybe you want us to do something alternatively for now until we can get to the place where we can buy the home we need. Any good amens at all? So you might have to look at the possibility of renting for a while. Until God can provide opportunity or get you more money to do that. Amen? Amen. So check the inward witness. What am I looking for? Don't, don't just do this on major decisions. Do this day in and day out. Amen. 
Check the inward witness. What you're about to do, where you're about to go have lunch, where you're about to uh, make a decision on and things you're going to do. I don't buy, now I'm not talking about, come on. I don't go to the grocery store and say, I'm checking the inward witness. Should I buy broccoli this week? (laughs) Come on, man. We're not talking about the fact you should know, you know, the aspects of what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat, right? You shouldn't have to walk up to the cookie aisle. Do I have an inward witness or not? Come on. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But I'm, so, I'm talking about major decisions and choices you're making throughout the week as you're choosing to go places and do things. You should be looking inward. Come on, get accustomed to looking inward. Quit just going through your daily life and just doing what you always do without taking time to look on the inside. You know, you, you got to watch out here because some people are like, yeah, I probably better not go that way. I don't know. Could be a wreck. Eh, may not. Well, no, no, no. well, how do you know? How do you know? In some cases, you can kind of overdo that. But realize, too, what's it going to hurt to follow a leading that you have of the Lord if it's just going to take you a different route that day? What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. You might then find out later that was a good thing that you didn't go that way because you didn't want to go the other direction. I'll tell you what, we could avoid all kinds of stuff in life if we just follow the inward witness. God knows where you need to be when you need to be there. Come on. How to get you there? Any good amens on that? Well, I don't know how God can handle that. You kidding me? God can, isn't this amazing? God can hear every prayer of every person on the planet all at the same time and still direct you in the path that he wants you to go while he's still answering other people's prayers. How does he do that? He's God. He's God. All right, go to Isaiah 40. Am I helping you at all? Isaiah 40. This is the practicality, I guess is a good way to say it. This is the practicality of how you follow this inward leading. First and foremost, what do you got to do? Live in the light of God's word. Primary way God's going to direct you and continue to lead you is through the word of God. Number two, you got to do what? Check the witness inside. You got to look to that inward witness. What you're looking to really is you're just looking to your spirit man. You're, how do I do that, pastor? How do I look to my spirit man? When I say quiet your mind, don't sit there and just try to reason out that decision. Try to just stop long enough to quiet yourself to say, do I have a peace or do I not? Do I have an agitation? Well, I'm not sensing anything. Then just go on about your day until you continue, continue to do what? Practice developing, looking to that inward witness. If you do the other things we talked about developing spiritually, the more you'll start picking up on that. But I'll guarantee you, God wants to help lead you through that inward witness. But he does, the, the biggest reason, here's a great statement, you ready? The Holy Spirit helps some people more than he does others. Why? But he does. Why? Because they ask for the help. They look to him. They look for the witness. They look for the guidance. If you look for the guidance, he'll help you. Amen. Write these verses down on your notes, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. You're not going to like this one. I don't know. Maybe you will. I don't like it. Your flesh won't like it. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. In verse 28, it says here, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does what? He neither faints nor is weary. What does he not do? Faints nor is weary. His understanding is what? Unsearchable. You know what that means? He knows everything you need to know. Nothing escapes him. Praise God. 29, he gives power to who? The weak. And to those who have no, uh, to those who have no might, he increases what? Strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Why? Because they won't take time to listen. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, verse 31, I know you know the verse. Those who do what? Tell me. Those who do what? Oh, I know you love this. Those who wait on the Lord, what will they do? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with what? Wings like eagles. They shall run and not be worried. They shall walk and not faint. What is it referring here to? Mounting up with wings, running, not growing weary, walking, not fainting. God's leading you. When God's leading you, he empowers you. When God leads you, guess what you're doing? You're walking out a pathway of which he empowers you to live out. It's not going to be something you're going to get weary doing if you're walking in the path that God has for your life. But what's the key to doing this? You got to learn to do what? You ready? Number three, learn to wait on the Lord. Learn to wait on the Lord. And I know you all love doing that. Learn to wait on the Lord. Now, there might be times in our life that we have decisions to make. And you know what? In case of us seeking God's direction or God's wisdom or God's guidance on something, it's not that God has a hard time speaking to us. We just have a hard time tuning in to listen. And for many of us, guess what we're going to have to learn to do more of to be able to get more accurate at understanding and following the, the direction and the decisions God wants us to make. You have to wait on until you hear him. There's certain decisions in life. Let me help you. Getting married, you should never make that decision until you've heard from God. Never. You should not make decisions major in your life about where you move and what you do unless you've heard from God and you know God's directing you. And if he is, it's going to be for your spiritual benefit. It's not just going to be a natural thing. Can I get a better amen? But a lot of people don't do this. They don't wait on the Lord. Why? We don't like it. We just want to keep doing, 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 doing. And I'll guarantee you, if you don't learn to wait on the Lord to hear from him, I will promise you, every decision you make that turns out to not be in line with what he wanted for you, you're going to wish you would have waited. I'll say it again. Every decision you make that turns out to not be in line with the plan of God, the will of God, and you didn't wait to find out, guess what? That's going to cost you. You're going to wish you would have waited. You're better off to wait, no matter how long it takes. Till you hear from God. So this wait is twofold. Number one, if I'm not sure what God wants me to do, what do I need to do? Wait till you know. Wait till you know. What if I have to make a decision? There are some things in life maybe that you don't have a lot of opportunity with time based on what you're dealing with. But you know what? Honestly, if it was something that I was for sure still not 100% on by God and it's going to involve a lot of money or a lot of aspect of my time or whatever and I could walk away, I'd prefer to walk away not knowing for sure if it was God than make a mistake and find out it wasn't. You'd be far better off. Any good amens on that? I mean, just like finding a home. We were searching for a home, man. We we went for a year and a half looking for a home. There were a couple opportunities. We could have pushed through on some situations of taking something less than what would have really worked for us. But I'll guarantee you what you got to learn to do if you want to find the right place. Wait on the Lord. We don't want to do that. We just want to do our own thing. Get it now. Get it over with. I'm going to tell you right now, not waiting on the Lord. You think back to every decision that you've ever made. You didn't wait on God and it wasn't God. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you time. It sometimes can even cost you in other ways that are very detrimental to your life. All because we wouldn't what? Wait on the Lord. So this waiting is twofold. Number one, you got to wait till you know for sure what God's directing you to do. 
If you don't know, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Spend some time. You might have to, I know it, I know it. I know it's a tough, tough thing to hear, but you might have to actually do some fasting and praying. Because the fasting doesn't move God. You listening? The fasting deals with what? Your little flesh that, that's getting in the way that's, that's keeping you from hearing God clearly. You know there are some things as you wait on God about certain aspects of life that he won't speak to you about yet. Do you want to know why? There's certain things he won't speak to you about yet. All right. Do you reveal everything you know as an adult to a three-year-old? No, because no, they wouldn't know how to handle it. You know, there's some things God won't speak to you because he knows you're not to the place yet that you could handle that. That if he told you what you obviously needed to hear, you, you probably wouldn't even believe it's God or wouldn't even receive it because you're just not where you can handle it yet. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing in life worth making a choice over. Come on. Of dealing with stuff in the natural that could cost me from getting out of the will of God and then costing me money, time, as well as other things in my life that could be detrimental. Wait on the Lord. Amen. Wait on the Lord. Tired of this house. Wait on the Lord. Amen. Come on. You got to wait on him. Yes. But I want to get married tomorrow. Wait on the Lord. Know for sure. Yes. Know for sure. But So the first side of waiting on the Lord is what? Wait till you know you've heard him. Now, what if you know? I'm telling you, I already know God told me to build that building. I know God directed us through the steps of that. I know God directed us through the steps of buying the property. Yeah. You listening? Yeah. We don't have the money yet to build. I don't have a peace in my spirit. I, I asked the Lord. I put it before him. I thought about it. I thought about doing it. I have no peace about borrowing money for that building. And so I'm not going to do that. Why? God doesn't give me a peace about that. Now, if he gave me a peace about it, I'd do it. Right. He'd provide the way. He, he'd provide the money after, obviously, the building was built or the process of time. He would have brought the money in the process of building. But I got to hear from God. I got to know God's directing me. But I'm going to tell you right now, even once you know a direction God wants you to go, Abraham, it doesn't mean it may come to pass tomorrow. You got to wait on the Lord. If you know what God's illuminating as your future pathway, don't try to make it come to pass. Well, I already know God wants me to build this building, bless God, so I'm going to try to make that come to pass. How? How are you going to do that? By going and, you know, trying to do a bunch of stuff in the natural that could cost you in, in, in your life spiritually and cost you to miss God down the road? So, as again, I was giving you an example earlier, what if Abraham would have waited on the Lord? We wouldn't have this Muslim-Jewish battle going on. Why do we have this battle going on? Somebody got impatient. Right? And honestly... You know, whether it was Abraham or Sarah first doesn't matter. The point is they both obviously made a mistake. Sarah comes to Abraham, I guess I'm not going to be the one to have the child. Therefore, maybe you should go sleep with Hagar. And you know the end of the story. We wind up with an Ishmael. You don't want to wind up with an Ishmael. Amen. What do you want? The promised child, Isaac. What do you got to do to get the promised child? Wait. When you know what God said... Here's the deal with God. You got to understand, God is not affected by time. We are. God's not in a time realm. We are. Now, God is a God of timing. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, we've got a set time when Jesus is going to return. You don't know that's on His timetable. He's a God of timing. I'm not telling you He's not a God of timing. You could, in a position as a believer, not seeking God miss opportunity just because you weren't seeking God. There are times. 
There are times that if you aren't seeking God, you could miss an opportunity God had available for you. He wanted to do something in your life in the way of actual blessing or, or a business or a job or whatever. And if you obviously are out of time with what God's trying to direct you to do because you're not seeking Him, you could miss opportunity. You could. Sure you could. But aren't you glad He's gracious? Yes. But understand this, if I already know what he wants me to do, quit trying to make it come to pass. What? So here's the goal. Here's the goal of what you got to walk out. I know that's what God wants us to do. What do I do now? Just sit and wait for it to come to pass? Faith without works is dead. You got to have some action. You got to have some corresponding action. What's the corresponding action? One, we're obviously raising funds for that. Two, I'm also continually seeking God about anything else I need to do or anything else we need to do as it relates to us moving forward with that building. So in the process of that, if you don't know, our builder initially when I talk to them, they actually normally do this kind of a contract in two phases. One is the architectural design phase. The other is the build phase. That's how they normally do it. And so we've already paid for the architectural design phase. That's paid for, done with, over with. We got all that taken care of. We got everything in place to build. But I know faith without works is dead. So I go back to my contractor and said, is there any way we can break up the build phase to smaller segments? To where once we get to a point we got enough money to take care of this first part of it, we could start moving forward. You listening? So God put it on my heart. Talk to him about breaking this up in separate segments. So he has. He has now broken that up into two separate parts, which we're going after the first part. And once we get the money for the first part, we break ground and we start moving forward. And as we start moving forward, we're doing everything we know as God's directing us to do to see that come to pass. Who's going to provide the money? God will. How's he going to provide it? He's going to provide it by us staying in faith, by me doing what I have to do to keep you in faith. And for us doing everything we can to move forward with action to continue to do what? Move towards getting that building. Amen. But you got to do what? You got to wait on the Lord's timing. God knows everything. So God knows everything. Part of the other thing God showed me in my spirit about this in relationship to asking him to break it up rather than having to have to sign one part of a build contract. How many know at the time that we first talked to this contractor, the full price of the building was roughly about $2.5 million pre-COVID. Post-COVID, 5.2. That's how much materials and labor have gone up all because of COVID. So I also knew in the process of time, if he'll break this apart and break it down into smaller segments and we can start with the first part, guess what can also come down in the process of time? Materials. I'm not trying to quote-unquote save money. God can come up with the money. I'm just telling you that can be part of the process of how God helps, get, helps us to get it built. God's got all kinds of ways of doing stuff. Well, guess what? Metal prices have already come down. Wood prices have already come down. These things are already coming down, which when we get to that second part of the build process now won't be as expensive had we signed a contract up front for that full amount. So God has a plan. Say it. But I got to do what? Follow that plan. That plan involves what sometimes? Waiting on the Lord. Last one. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Four things that you and I can do to walk out practically hearing and following the leading of God. Following His voice. So the first one again, live in the light of God's word. Second one, check on the inside. Check the witness. Third one, learn to wait. Don't get in a hurry. Learn to wait. You're better off to do without 
in some cases than to make a decision that can cost you dearly. Make sure you know. And even once you know, sometimes you still have to wait, Abram, for, for, uh, for God's timing. In that case, 10 years. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. If you're writing down verses, here's the verses you're going to want to write down. You're going to want to write down 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 7. And then you're going to want to write down chapter 2, 9 through 11. These are what we're going to look at. 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 2, 9 through 11. You with me still? Yes. All right, come on. Fourth one, we're, we're wrapping it up here. Verse 5. This is the message that we heard from him, Jesus, and we declare to you, God is what? What is he? So we've been talking about this all night. God is light. If I'm following God, guess what I'm walking in? Light, not darkness. God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him. So obviously, what would fellowship include here? That, that phrase is intimacy. Remember our foundation verse, John 10, 27? My sheep hear my voice and I know them intimately. So if we say we have this intimate fellowship with him, with the Lord, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we're walking in darkness, guess what we're not doing? Following the leading of the Lord. Or another way to say it, we're not being led by God. Because God's light, there's no darkness in him. If God leads you, you're not going the way of darkness, you're going the way of light. You still with me? Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have what? Tell me out loud. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? So we walk in this close fellowship with God. We walk in fellowship with one another as we're walking in the light of his leading for our life. We're fellowshipping with him. And he's directing our steps and he's leading us out of darkness and he's leading us down a pathway that's filled with light. What he has for our life. Could I get an amen on that? So without going through all the aspects of dealing with the sin confession here, of getting out of line with God and having to confess your sin and a lot to read there, drop down to chapter 2, if you would. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have from the beginning. The old commandment was the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing, notice this very clearly, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What's that commandment? Walk in love. Verse 9, he who says he is in the light, he who what? Says he's in the light. If I say I'm in the light, what would that mean? I'm being led by God. Right. He who says he is in the light, watch this, and hates his brother is what? In Guess who's not leading you? God's not leading you. If you say that you're walking, oh, I know God's directing me to do this, I know God's directing me to do that, but you still are, are actually harboring hatred towards a brother, you're in darkness. You're actually not being led by God as much as you think you are. I don't mean like against that brother. I'm talking about other things. I know Christians that say, well, I know God told me. I know God told me. I know God told me. I'm just going to get to this right up front here. And yet they're not walking in love towards others. Guess what? God ain't leading them. Because you get out of love, guess what you're not walking in? Light. What are you walking in? Darkness. He just said it. Verse 10. Read it again. He who loves his brother does what? Abides in the light. Verse 9, though, says if you say you walk in the light and hate your brother, what are you walking in? Verse 10, but he who loves his brother is doing what? He's abiding in the light, therefore there's what? Excuse me? No cause for what? Stumbling in him. Why? God's leading him. 
You're not going to stumble. You're not going to falter. You're not going to fail. Why? God's leading you. Verse 11, but he who hates his brother is where? He's in darkness. And he what? What does he do? He walks in darkness. Does not know where he's what? Doesn't know where he's going. Why? Because the darkness has, he's not following God's leading. Anybody got an idea what number four is? To follow God's leading? Got to be walking in love. You could be doing all the other three, but you get out of love, you're not walking in the light anymore. If you don't walk in love, he just told you, you're walking in darkness. And you don't even realize it. Why did he say you don't know where you're going? It's not like, oh, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what to do, although that could be included. But the context there of walking in darkness means you get out of love. You don't even realize that you're not walking the pathway that God has for you. Don't even realize you're walking in darkness if you get out of love. What do you need to do? You need to learn to follow the love walk. You need to learn to follow love in your heart. And you need to walk in love as a child of God. Because God is love and God is light. And how's God going to lead us? He's going to lead us by the word of God and the inward witness. But what if I get out of love? Guess what you're doing? You're cutting yourself off from your spirit, man. Where's the love of God at? Shed abroad in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. What if I choose to not walk in love? Guess what else that's going to do? Like we talked about this morning. That's going to cause you to be dead into your spirit, man. And therefore, guess who you cannot receive direction from? God. You cannot get out of love and accurately follow God's leading for your life. Those two do not work together. You get out of love and you say, hey, I'm walking in the light. No, you're lying. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people don't realize that getting out of love is the very thing that's hindering them from hearing from God or, and or walking in what God has for their life, even though they think they are walking in what God has. Don't, it's not worth ever, ever, ever getting out of love in relationship to other people. Now, we know we've been taught clearly in this church, as the Bible teaches you, not me, but the Bible teaches us what? That we have to walk in love with discernment. Love doesn't mean I'm going to be everybody's buddy and friend. Love just means I'm not going to hold any grudges. I'm going to forgive everybody. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to speak against people. Doing those things is hindering your ability to be led by God. Awful quiet here and I'm trying to close. If you, if you get into slander and talking bad about other people and running other people down and all that kind of stuff and doing things the Bible says that love doesn't do, guess what you're hindering your ability to do? Be led of God. Well, I'm led of God, and yet you show that you obviously are in contempt with other people. The Bible's clear. If you say that you're walking in the light, but you don't walk in love towards others, you're lying. You don't realize it. You're walking in darkness. Amen? Amen. So, we can follow God's leading for our life. How many glad about that? How do we do it? One, live in the light of God's Word. Two, check the witness inside. How often? Every day. Number three, learn to do what? Learn to wait on the Lord. Don't get hurried about all the decisions of life or even things you know maybe God wants you to do. And then number four, do what? Walk in love. If you will choose to learn to walk in love, you'll walk in the light and the leading of God and it'll lead you out of darkness. A lot of people are missing out on answers in their life because they have chosen to not walk in love towards others. Again, harboring unforgiveness and or just simply slandering people, saying things they shouldn't say. This is why Brother Hagin said the most significant thing to him, and the Bible backs it up, the most significant thing to him next to the faith walk is the love walk. The more you walk in love, the more accurate you're going to be in hearing God's voice because God is love. And that's how he leads us is through his light of love. Amen? Amen.
Did you get anything today? Yes. How about this whole series? How many going to be more accurate in following God? Yes. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.